0: Hello once again, podcasters, or pod surfing, I don't know how to address that, but this is a podcast from the unusual place about these present days. Heavenly Father, thank you for the inspiration, the revelation of which to speak in addressing the situations of our world that we live in and kind of openly challenge and trigger uh, all of us, including myself while I'm speaking it, uh, to think and to ponder and to mull and to meditate. On the things that you have to say in relation to the things that we see going on around us in the world today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. So, I don't know if anybody out there is a movie aficionado like I am. Um, I like going to movies. I've liked going to movies since I was a kid. Um, I think I stay childlike a lot. You know, by getting myself popcorn and and candy and stuff like this, and going into movies, I've, I've been eating healthier food. You know, that organic, you know, organic popcorn, organic chocolates now, stuff like this. You know, um, yeah. And I love movies, and it's interesting because movies are just like kind of like a moment. I kind of I, I got used to calling them a daycation. You know, it wouldn't even last a whole day—not not 24 hours, probably not even more than a couple hours after the movie, I just, you know, it'd just go right through me. It wouldn't stick to me. I wouldn't be walking around like a a whole bunch of movie uh, quotes that I just spew out and stuff like that because I trained myself not to let things attach themselves to my soul like that, to pollute and to um, crowd, um, overcrowd my soul, which needs to be applied for better things. You know, but movies, I, I find inspiration a lot of times. I very seldom get any revelation. I don't think I've gotten, I've heard of some guys that off a TV program, they got a revelation and God started speaking to them through a old Laverne and Shirley show or something like that. I mean, more power to you, dude. I don't know nothing about that, but listen. I went to the movies the other day. I like this guy named Jordan Peele. Uh, Jordan Peele uh, has wonderful, wonderful um, uh, grasp on directing and movie making. His first movie that hit, you know, hit the, I think it was nominated for best picture of the year, you know, it hit the theaters, you know, about three or four years ago, was called Get Out, and it was about racism. I'm just going to say that much. And it was, it's not traditional, it's not the usual way of telling a story about racism. I mean, the way he, you know, it was very interesting, very creepy, very weird, and it made you think about it a lot. So that was a great movie. And then the second one was Us, you know, just kind of like us, meaning us human beings, us in this country. And that had political overtones, you know. It had things at the end, you know, that showed people, Immigrating illegally and stuff like that. So us, you know, that that had some value to it as well as entertainment. And now the most recent one is called Nope. And when I went to Nope and I saw Nope, and it's still out, if you want to check it out. Um, yeah, I mean, it impacted me in, in, a, in a way, you know, only for one reason. Not because of the necessary exactness of the content that uh, I can match it with something that I have been experiencing um, in a vague way, maybe, because when I started thinking of the title, nope, I think of the title that because that's what I use and I've, I have other you know, people that I know that I'm, I'm close to, they use that when they're addressing the devil, when he tries to lie to you, when he's trying, you know, like a pain in your body and in, in your head is trying to tell you that that pain equals this thing right here, so you gotta, nope, nope. And so, I like that word, nope, and when that movie came out I called Nope, I wanted to see Nope, you know, because I use nope all the time. Um, and so I made an acronym out of nope. <laughs> and I'm gonna get to that in a minute, but I even made an acronym out of N-O-P-E. Um, interesting, because when you say nope to the right things, that will enhance your hope in the raw, in the right things, you know, like. Um, when you say nope to the, I, I, I said it wrong the first time, you know. But I mean, I mean the right things that you're supposed to say nope to, you say nope to them, okay. And, but well, I should say it like this. Let me just rephrase that. When you say nope to the wrong things, which you're supposed to, well, then you are establishing hope in the right things, which you're supposed to. So that's a whole lot better. So. Okay, here we go. Nope. Let me give you some background from a person that is a professional uh, movie critic. And I'm gonna read, yeah, I'm gonna read from just a, a, a snippet of one of the uh, critics out there that kind of summarized it you know, very, very well and so I'm just gonna read you know, what the, it's about, the movie. Two siblings who run a California horse ranch discover something wonderful and sinister in the skies above, and the owner of an adjacent theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly alien invaders. And so it's about aliens, it's about, it's almost like a Western because they have horses. you know. Uh, they have this ranch, um, these two African American siblings, You know, a a man and a woman, they're adults now, and their parents are gone. And their father had this horse ranch up above Hollywood, you know, in the valley, you know, and they used the horses there exclusively to make the westerns and all that. So they were engaged in Hollywood filmmaking for years and years. And there's a small uh, township there that was developed over the years when people moved out there a little bit further away from you know, the big cities and stuff, and so that's where the amusement park is. And it could be kind of like a substitute, but a cheap substitute of Magic Mountain, you know, because Magic Mountain is situated in such an area that is kind of remote like that, and has a lot of wild and open spaces, you know, where could, you can have horse ranches and things. And so these two siblings are running this place, and then they start to, you know, they're trying to take care of it, you know, fix it up, all this kind of thing, and. Then they start running into uh, strange things going on in the sky, and then uh, spaceships with aliens starting to appear, and things like this. And so the reason that I thought this is so significant is that people are living in this world, and you know we are hearing more and more about UFOs actually being legit, you know, because they're starting to now talk about revealing all of the different paperwork that the CIA and FBI have collected over the years of their experience with you know aliens and UFOs and and you know unmistakably they've seen UFOs you know not a lot of alien contact you know there's been uh, supposedly been abductions and stuff like this and that's a psychological thing going on there most likely or they could be some abductions where they've been taken, you know, um, not necessarily taking drugs, you know, but, you know, tripping, you know, really, you know, being swept away, you know, by some actual beings. But uh, my take on UFOs, unidentified flying objects, UFOs, they've been around since the beginning of, of mankind. I mean, um, in the form of demons. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel's looking at this moving throne room that has a guy sitting on the throne. From the loins up, he's fire. And the lo- from the loins down, he's fire. And that's God Almighty sitting there because God is a consuming fire. And where his throne is, it's encompassed in, in a circular fashion. You know, it looks like windows, but they're actually eyes because it's cherubim that are back, you know, their backs are all to God and their faces are all facing outward. And so wherever the cherubim faces, it has the opportunity as a, like a flying saucer scene. They can go in any direction. They're already pointing in the in the direction they have the eyes of the cherubim already looking north, west, east, and south because it's a round figure. And it's talk about that all through, all, it takes up and dominates the first chapter of the book of Ezekiel, the prophet, in the Bible. So a lot of Christians, they believe in, you know hybrid, hybridization of demons and humans, and they talk about it. They, you know they think that the Nephilim in the Bible are the giant race that Goliath came from, that were a hybrid of angels that have left their first estate, as it says in the Book of Genesis, and uh, took for themselves wives, the daughters of men, and things like this. And so those are scriptures. Those are scriptures. And what? The, they're talking about you know they they even they even call the angels that did this you know the sons of God went into the daughters of men, and so sons of God is always also in the book of Job is a reference to angels, and so there's a lot of speculation and it's speculation that you can't prove that there's hybridization, you can't prove that medically you can't prove that spiritually can't prove that biblically that there's half man half, there's possession there's demonic beings taking over and thinking and speaking and and moving through the human mind and psyche and body of people and actually being able to hold a day job and drive a car and have a family and yet be completely taken over and given over to Satan because he's looking for bodies. He's looking for volunteers, you know, and there's a lot of volunteers out there that want to subjugate themselves to, you know, for a buzz, for a thrill, you know, they're probably adrenaline junkies or whatever, you know, you go to a voodoo ritual and you see all of a sudden somebody gets hit with some spirits and they start flopping on the ground and swallowing their tongue and the eyeballs rolling back and foaming at the mouth. That's a demon that's a demon that's taking over a body right there. You know, but also the demons can be swivelized, you know, like I, I'm just using that as a term. You know, they are able to do more damage wearing a suit and being elected to Congress or the Senate or even the presidential chair and or even just local government, they can do a whole hell of a lot more damage in seats like that. And so the thing that I'm relating this to with that movie called Nope, is the thing that I've been doing for years, I remember one time I was in a health food store and I, I, I know, you know, when I was in high school, high school years ago, I mean, I graduated in high school, I graduated from high school in 1966. We had, outside of the area where I lived, where the high school was in Encinitas, California, was a couple of places called the Quest Haven, those two places were known for witch and warlock co- covens, you know, to where they had demonic seances and stuff like this. We knew people that went there for orgies, you know, because that, that appealed to young people back in the day you know, and they're growing up in the 60s, you know, and all that stuff was getting prevalent anyway. And I heard rumors, you know, I never partook, you know, but I heard rumors. It's got a place called, um, you know, the Quest Haven, you know, haven in the word, you know, haven is, a uh, a derivative, a German way of saying heaven, you know, and Olivenhain. And, and when I was going to high school, like I said, I had friends that went to the orgies and they said, What happened? They told us what happened. You know, they didn't drink, you know, gallons of blood. We didn't hear anything like that. No stories that are creepy, but we knew that it was creepy enough. Well, here I'm a full grown adult. I've been in ministry now for years and years and years, and I'm out in that area. And I'm in a grocery store, a healthy store, and I was shopping one day. I knew that there's witches because that was back in high school. I knew that there was witches in, in those areas. And people actually lived and had ranches, you know, horse ranches. And I know people right now today that are living out there on horse ranches. And they're not demonist. You know, they're not, you know, into demonology and stuff like that. They are just not very discerning because they're in a hotbed for it because it's still crackling, it's still cooking out there because I've been through there in recent years. Anyway, I reached over to pick up an avocado and and, test its softness. And a witch reached for an avocado right next to me. How do I know she's a witch? Not because she has a broom, that didn't give it away. Not because she has a long pointy nose with a, a wart with hair sticking out of it on her nose. That didn't give it away, neither. She's just an older lady. You know, nice, sophisticated-looking lady. Educated-looking lady. The way I know she's a witch, cause our, our knuckles on our corresponding hand, my right hand, her left hand, hit on the side of the upper part of your knuckle joint where it's on the hand. She tapped me right there with her own, uh, little finger knuckle right there attached to her hand. And he instantly, there was pain, like arthritic pain, that shot through my joint. And I pulled my hand away and I go, nope. I go, nope, and I hit my hand three times. I go, <claps> slapped it three times like that, and said, get off of me, Satan. And I'm saying that out loud. I'm looking right at her and I said, what are you doing? And she walked away and just shook her head, You know, looked real hateful and stuff like this. And I knew exactly what she's doing. And I just, have, I, and so that nope word right there means a lot to me because when you feel attacked or you think you know it's safe, nope, nope. You know, you, you tell him what to do in the name of Jesus. You take authority over him. Now we're living in a day and age, mm, that they're coming out of the closet. A day and age when perversion, the likes of Sodom and Gomorrah are out in the open And the demon, and listen, listen, the demoniacs are more in the open than they've ever been before. And that doesn't mean by being in the open that they're throwing people on the ground and they're foaming at the mouth and their eyeballs, no. No, 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 no. See, they don't wanna draw negative attention because they're busy about a lot of issues that affect a lot more people than a little small crowd on a sidewalk You know, when some guy just all of a sudden looks like he's having a seizure these demons have been getting into the school systems and the and 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 the propaganda of the school systems of teaching about you know critical race theory and stuff like this that have been going on under people's noses for years is just now being exposed or racism and also you know like the Roe v Wade thing back in 1973 when that was all all of a sudden you know, approved by the, it's not, it wasn't approved as law, but it was approved by the, the Constitution of the United States of America. Uh, not the Constitution, excuse me, the um, um, Supreme Court of the United States of America. And they have just recently rescinded that. And they put it back in the control of the states, the individual states. But it was across the country. And for almost 50 years now, they've been killing children. And that's a demonic practice in the, book, in, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament books of the Bible that they sacrificed their children to Molech. Molech, the god of fire. And he'd come down and, 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 and lick up the altar that had their child laying upon it. You know, they shed their child blood and laid him on the altar and he'd come down and fire and lick that altar up of the blood of that child. And that was a way of deifying the demons that are at work in killing of the innocent. And it talks about it in the Bible that the nation that that takes innocent life or sheds innocent blood is a nation that's cursed. And this nation has been laboring under the weight of a curse for a long time, at least 1973, because that really escalated things. Now we're in an era of perversion that I grew up in the church all my young life, young adult life, and adult life, and older life, that was a perversion is now accepted and actually protected by laws in this country. Unbelievable. And so that right there is encroaching, I mean, just like it says about, just like it says about Lot who was the nephew of Abraham who lived in Sodom, in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says about his righteous spirit was vexed daily. He was bothered by it. And he and his family kept separate from it as much as they could, you know, keeping it outside their doors, but it was encroaching more and more. And that's why God, you know, sent, you know, a pre-incarnation of Jesus in the form of the angel of Jehovah with two other angels to go and talk to Abraham, his covenant partner, about him destroying the Sodom and Gomorrah so Abraham could get his family out of there. And it's because of the perversion, because of the of the way that they were treating people. And they even tried, when they when the angels went in there, they even tried to take the angels. They wanted Lot to give up the guests because Lot allowed, you know, the angels you know, to come into his room, and they were telling him that that that, that they, he's got to get his family out of there, and they were pounding on the door and wanting to get those two good-looking angels and do the, and have their way with him. And Lot, you know, said, "You can have my daughter before I give up them." You know, that kind of a thing, but. We're living, this is Bible stories. These are things that have happened. We're living in things that are happening now that are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah, worse than the Tower of Babel, worse than when God flooded the whole earth in the days of Noah, worse than that. This is the culmination of all things. And we're living at the tail end of it. And Jesus is gonna come, I believe, in the next at least no more than a decade, Jesus is gonna be here. And so the devil has been cast down to the ground, it says in Revelation 12, knowing that his time is short. So when that casting go on, when when did he really get cast down to the ground? When Jesus was raised from the dead. He was cast out of heaven. Uh, And now he's been the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air has been around it. He's even being cast down more from the airwaves because angelic. Repopulation has been going on for decades now. What do I mean by that? They're, oh my gosh, just like you'd see it on the battlefield of, of of going against, Moses learned fighting. Moses was a great leader of, uh, of the Egyptian armies. And when the armies of Israel had to do the same thing, you know, the fight with other armies on a field in the open, what they do, they start to gather their troops all getting you know in place before they would kind of drop the hammer and start the battle. I mean, they would be gathering on the hillside and coming down into the valleys, and then getting across from each other in the valleys and shouting insults and shouting threats and stuff like this, and then they would charge on each other. And they'd be populating these territories that represented their, their lands that they're defending, and then they go at it. Well, you see, God has been repopulating the heavens, the, the, the airways, the airways that Satan would traverse for so long, and he's now been cast down, I believe, to the lower level. That's why we see the escalation amongst mankind the way that we do. He's been cast down, and he's still a spirit being. He still, he still travels through the airways. We're not talking about that, we're talking about the atmosphere around the Earth, not the Earth's atmosphere that's close to the Earth, but the, the furthest out to where you need a space a space suit and oxygen tanks to breathe. That's where he was relegated as the prince of the power of the air. He's been cast down into this smoggy air now, if you want to call it that, this mankind's you know, polluted air, uh, with the with the the cows on the hill passing gas so much. I'm just trying to throw some chuckles in there because it's getting heavy. Because these are the days he's been cast down, knowing his time is short, knowing his time is short. He is putting on earth suits. He's getting embodied. He's getting fitted for human beings that are in high places. That are. Coming into covenant with him, doing things with children on the side and stuff like this, demonic spiritual. Listen, Mm. back in 1974, I think it was, I was pastoring a church and I'd been out of Bible school, you know, for. I mean, I hadn't gone to Bible school yet in 74. Let me re- rephrase that. I was thinking back to something that happened in 1974 that, I, that I'm going to move on from that. It's about the witches and about Satanists, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. But it's 19, um, 1976 and 75 when I accepted the call of God in my life. I remember you know, what God had, had shown me as far as demons when I was growing up. And uh, seeing them come out of people. When I went to certain tent meetings when I was a kid and got healed of deafness myself, but also I had the experience of seeing people being delivered on the platform and stuff like, by the man laying hands and shouting the name of Jesus and things like this. And then I've seen it myself when I started participating in it you know, and over the years, I uh, was pastoring a church called Faithful Love Fellowship, and I think it was about 82, 83, 1983. I've been pastoring for several years, and I got a phone call. It was a man on the other end of the phone that said his name was Anthony LaVey. He said he was the son of this famous Satanist founder up in San Francisco named Anton LeVay. And so I thought it was a joke at first, like anybody would. I asked him why he found why, how he found me, he found me in the Yellow Pages, because we advertised, you know, Faith Love Fellowship in the Yellow Pages. And he, he found it there and he said I called several churches and nobody would would, would hear me out. And so I'm giving it a, you know a chance. You know i am taking it probably, you know, because you know you're a crackpot, nobody wanted to touch it. But then he goes on and I'm asking questions because I studied, I studied this because I, I'm living in California for God's sake and I'm growing up right here and I know about the witches and the warlocks and I know about the demonic and I know about the satanic because I learned a lot and I had relatives that had a lot of experiences in those things. You know, going to prison for 10 years and, and stuff like this, my uncle Richard on my mom's side. And about the, the demon of heroin that he had to fight off and he could see him with his own eyes. And when, when when the demon came out of him when he got out of prison and uh, the pastor of our church you know cast him out of I saw him crawl on the floor that demon of heroin crawl on the floor like a python and I had to open the door and get out of its way and I didn't realize I didn't I didn't need to open the door but I had experiences like this and so long story sh- shorter a little bit shorter this Anton Levey you know like I knew I studied I read I I heard, you know, from other people that were into that, that got delivered, and, you know, what goes on. So I asked him questions, point blank. And so, if you're a part of that Satanist religion, well, then you must have been exposed to this. And he answered, he said he was, and I said, well, then what is, you know, who is this, and who was involved over here? And he rattled off these names, and he rattled off this practice, that you'd have to be on the inside to know this. And then I said, well. What are you calling for? He says, I want to get out. I want to get out. I I want to have God rescue me. I want God, you know, to if he is real, I want God to deliver me. I said, oh, he's real. And we can get that done. And so long story, shortened down to nothing, he came to a service one time, and he sat in the back. Because I told him I would do it. You know, when the service was over, I told him I wasn't going to do it up in front. I'm not going to expose people to what was going to come out of him. And so I took him out to the back in the parking lot where his car was, my car was. And I cast I cast Satan and all of those spirits out of him. And he got saved. And he started coming to church. And he, after that, he was targeted you know, by the satanic church. In San Francisco, his sister, who was the heir apparent to Anton LaVey, who is now over the Satanic Church, in Anton LaVey's death, and she took over, and she had a hatred and wanted to kill him, and things like this, and so he had to hide out, keep it on the low down, not let he wouldn't go on any. TV station or anything like this, you know, they had people talking about him. They didn't even know the story. They didn't, they, they didn't mention me because I didn't want, you know, any kind of notoriety. Anyway, um, last I heard that he was still hiding out and laying on the low, you know, but he, uh, he definitely got saved and delivered and they definitely, you know, hate what he stands for and he's become a threat to them because of his testimony. And so that's dangerous to him. And his well-being, you know, right now, because, you know, I don't think he's ever gotten married or had a family. You know, he was single. Uh, the reason he knew about the area that we were pastoring the church in, because he was shipped out of San Francisco down to uh, Carlsbad, California, to San Diego Military Academy, because his father wanted to get him, you know, a, a private you know, school, giving him an education, and so he had him go that way. Anyway. So I know a lot about this kind of thing, and I'm not a I'm not a demonologist, or, and I'm not an exorcist, but I have studied, and I do study about demons, you know, to understand my foe. He's eternally defeated, but he gets a lot of mileage out of that defeat because of his deceptions and his lies. And so I understand that, but I've also understood how Jesus addressed him, how Jesus handled him, how he taught his disciples to handle it, and all this kind of thing, and I stay in those areas. And, and yes, I've cast out demons lots of times, all over the place, from people everywhere. And uh, I you know, have that in the resume, I guess, if you call it that. I don't have any kind of an actual physical copy of a resume, but I know what I'm talking about and these kind of things. I, what the, what, the, what the, the takeaway for this podcast is, you gotta learn to say no you got to learn to say nope to the devil. got to learn to say nope. Nope, you can't have that. Nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't, you can't say that. You're not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to allow that. Nope. And so, I believe that we're in the midst of a demonic alien invasion in the 21st century right now. But we're not taking it seriously enough. To stand our ground and to say nope in the face of this attack, we're not really we're not really there. There's some that are aware, some that are that realize it, some that know what to do, but not too many. Not too many. Mm-mm. This one critic that I mentioned earlier—I didn't mention the person's name, just. You know, I just took a, an excerpt of the of the uh, things they thought about the movie. He it said, It's a 130 minute litany of nope, no, nah, not me, not in there, forget it. And so, those are the those are statements that were being made at certain times in the movie where. They're standing against this invasion. It's an outlandish invasion. It's you know good special effects and CGI and all that kind of thing. Well acted, well directed by Jordan Peele and all this. And Nope is about saying no. Nope is saying nope, nope. You're not nope. And fighting these things off. You know that we're trying to, you know, to take them and abduct them, and uh, you know have an encounter with human beings. And they actually were standing their ground and, and the ones that you know that did, you know, they made it through, you know, or they gave their life to help others make it through. You know, the attack and the invasion that was going on all around them. So NOPE is a good word. The acronym for that is no open permit, no open permitted entrance. No open permitted entrance. You no know why? Because in the Bible it says Give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil means nope. You don't have a place here. Nope. I'm not going to let you have this space, occupy this space. Jesus says this in Matthew 5.37: a simple yes or no will suffice. Anything beyond this springs from a deceiver. In other words, just be straight up, yes or no. And so, yes or no with anything that's demonic, anything that's satanic, anything that's evil. Yes or no. And Obviously, you're going to want to say no or nope. In James chapter 4, let's turn there, and I'm going to read from the Message Translation uh, 7 through 10. They link it all together in the Message Translation, and I'm going to read those verses, James 4, verse 7 through 10. So let God work his will in you, Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. I love that. Get get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. But he's saying to say no and say a quiet yes to God. You don't have to yell at God. He says, yell a loud no to the devil. Let him, get, let him get the message. No. It's kind of like a dog that's lifting his leg and getting ready to pee on something inside. The, no. And you grab that dog and pull him outside. You know, you, you, you act quickly on that thing right there. No. You see, we are told to give no place in the devil on the heels of what Paul was speaking of in Ephesians about being angry and not sinning. It's it's good to have righteous indignation, to have a pulse, to have a passion against things that are evil, but don't let it it go into sin where you do something sinful, do something that isn't right, like take a gun out and shoot somebody because you're upset about this or that. No, that's being angry and sinning, sinning like a crazy man. And God says no, he says be angry and sin not. Be angry means you're passionate about something and intolerant about something, that's that's good if it's evil. Be angry and sin not, and then the next verse he says in verse 27 of chapter four of the book of Ephesians, give no place to the devil, implying that when you're angry and you sin, you just gave place to the devil, you just gave him opportunity, you just opened the door to him. You just opened the door to him. so we do, have to recognize, because the Bible is full of, of, listen, liars are of their father, the devil, because he is the father of lying. The truth is not in him. He knows nothing about the truth. Jesus says this in John eight forty four. The devil is a liar and he's a manslayer. And so, listen, 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 listen. People that are professional liars, that are lying all the time, and they're getting paid for it. And I can could, I could name a couple of a couple of professions that actually encourage being a good liar. Politicians for one, how about lawyers for another? And there's others that are busy pushing an agenda, like a school teacher that's got a propaganda that has to be pushed into the students' hearts and souls in their impressionable years and they're being sold on this thing, and they're lying through their teeth, and they've altered history, altered the books, got books that are altering it and stuff, and they've been doing that for years. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe in conspiracies being proven out. Jesus being raised from the dead was a big conspiracy, and those 12 disciples running around there, or actually 11 after Judas killed himself, 11 disciples running around there, they were considered conspiracy theorists, and how did that turn out? Well, they turned out to be absolutely right that he did get raised from the dead and he still is alive to this day. And so in Mark chapter six, Passion Translation, I'm just gonna read two verses. Jesus, in verse seven, Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and imparted to them his authority to cast out demons. Then he sent them out in pairs with these instructions. Take only your staff and the sandals on your feet. No bread, no backpack, no extra clothes, and no money. He goes, no, 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 no. What's he you trying to do there? He wants the people that he's sending out there, he's anointed them, he taught them what to do. He doesn't want them encumbered with the things of the natural. He doesn't want them encumbered with all of these things that would distract them. He wants them to be laser focused, And so no extra clothes, no money, no bread, no backpack. God's gonna take care of you. That's what he's saying. God's gonna take care of you. Here it is from the Message Translation, verses seven to eight A. Jesus called the 12 to him and sent them out in pairs. He gave them authority and power to deal with the evil opposition. He sent them off with these instructions. Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. You are the equipment. No special appeals for funds. Keep it simple. And no luxury ends. Get a modest place and be content there until you leave. Or if you're not welcome, not listened to, quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene. Shrug your your shoulders and be on your way. Mm. He's saying, say nope to taking care of yourself. Say yes to trusting God for everything you need. And so don't focus on and emphasize you making sure you got all the equipment. You are the equipment. You are the equipment. So say nope to taking care of yourself, getting all stocked up on extra food and blankets and toilet paper and everything else. Acts chapter nine, verse 22. Paul the apostle got saved in Acts chapter nine. This is the early years of being saved. He said, but their suspicions didn't slow Saul down for even a minute. His momentum was up now, and he plowed straight into the opposition, disarming the Damascus Jews and trying to show them that this Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, he was going right into the teeth of the enemy's camp because he just got saved as a Jew that was persecuting Christians. He just became one. And now he's zealous about it. He's ambitious. You know, he's got a lot of word in him because he was a master. He was a scholar. He was a Pharisee's Pharisee. And then he got saved, and he's turned on to Jesus now, and that momentum was up for him, and he plowed straight into the opposition, it says. I love that. Went straight into the teeth of it. Philippians chapter 1, let's go to there, on the message translation, 1 verses 27 through 30. First chapter, Philippians 27. Meanwhile, live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ, left let nothing in your your conduct hang on whether I come and visit you or not, because he's writing a letter to them about where he's traveling. Your conduct must be the same whether I show up to see things for myself or I hear it from a distance. Stand united, singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the message, the good news, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition. Your courage and unity will show them what they're up against. Defeat for them, victory for you, and both because of God. There's far more to this life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him, and the suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. You're involved in the same kind of struggle you saw me go through, on which you are now getting an updated report in this letter. And Paul's still going through it, but he's he's doing it in style. He's teaching them how to, because we're in the teeth. We're going right into the teeth of the enemy. This is almost 2,000 years ago, he's writing this. He's under attack for this. You don't think the devil is more hateful, more murderous, more passionate about destroying, killing, and stealing now that his time is short than ever before? Ah. no open permitted entrance. Nope. No place given. No place can be given. Mirror translation says Ephesians 4:27 like this. Any sin that you tolerate is an open invitation to the devil. Do not give him a platform to operate from. Verse 26 and 27 together from the New Living Translation. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You don't want to get his foot, you don't want his foot to get in the door. Don't give him a foothold. In Matthew chapter 16, you can turn there with me if you wish. Starting in verse 19, Peter was given a revelation by God that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Because Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I, the Son of God, am? Hmm. Who do you you say that I am? And Peter answered it right. And then in verse 19, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth which, which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Or to say nope to what heaven says nope to and to say yes to what heaven says yes to. Matthew 16, 20 through 23. In the... New Living Translation. We just finished verse 19. Let's look at verses 20 through 23 from a different translation, New Living Translation. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Verse 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. You think they're happy about hearing that? But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen. Whoa, then Jesus, in verse 23, said, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Or the way the other translation put it, you savor the things of man and not of God. He meant well, but those natural things he was suggesting that we won't let you be taken, we won't let you go there because we're not even going to go to Jerusalem. We're Because if they're going to wait there and, and, and mount up on you and kill you and crucify you, we're not going to let that happen. Jesus had to rebuke him. And it wasn't just coming from from Peter, that came from Satan himself. Because Satan tried to to talk him out of this in the wilderness when he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. When he offered him the kingdoms of the world and the glory thereof, because that's what Jesus came to get back. He said, all you gotta do is bow down to me and I'll give them to you because they're mine. And Jesus refused to. And he shot him down. And Jesus got him anyway by defeating the devil. So, The Message Translation puts this 23rd verse like this. Matthew 16, 23, but Jesus didn't swerve. Peter, get out of my way, Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. That's what he says in so many words. Jesus didn't swerve a bit. Peter, get out of my way, Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. And that's right, because the natural mind does not understand the mind of Christ, and so Satan is looking to use your mind, use use any human being's mind, use your body, use any human being's body to be destructive, to kill, steal, and destroy, to be used as his emissary, to do his bidding, because his time is short. Look at Matthew 18, 18. Matthew 18, 18, amplified translation. Matthew 18, 18. Amplified translation. I say unto you most solemnly, or excuse me, I I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, shall have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose, permit, declare lawful on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. In other words, we can only bind and loose what God says is bound and loose in heaven. How do we know it's bound and loose in heaven? By what Jesus tolerated or didn't tolerate while he was on earth. Because when he was walking this earth, he brought heaven with him, didn't he? And he established the kingdom of heaven by his presence, because he is the king of the kingdom of heaven. And so, Paying attention to that, we know exactly what Jesus didn't and did tolerate. He said no to leprosy. He said no to the lying hypocrites. He said nope to a lot of things, and he said yep to a lot of other things, like yep for a woman that touched him, that have hemorrhaging for 14 years, or excuse me, I'm sorry, 12 years, Hemorrhaging. She was unclean. She's not supposed to touch people in public. She's not even supposed to be in public, and he said yes to her. He didn't shun her. Didn't push her away. He touched a dead girl's body. Not supposed to touch a dead person. It makes you unclean, and so he said yes to that. He said no to the tradition. He said no to the to the natural way of thinking and the natural standards. He said nope. This is what's happening here, and so we are copying him because he brought down to earth what we needed to understand God forbids and God permits or God says yes to and God says nope to. From another translation, Matthew 18, 18, Jesus told his followers, listen, you are the people that will know what God wants. If you all agree that something here on this earth is wrong, it'll be something that God in heaven already said is wrong. And if you all agree that something here on this earth is all right. It'll be something that God in heaven already said is all right. I mean, look it. Has God said homosexuality is all right? Has God said pedophilia all, is, being, is all right? Has God said adultery is all right? Has God said fornication is all right? Has God said drug abuse is all right? Has God said killing people you know, because they're politically expendable? Is that all right? Has God said any of that stuff being all right? No. But in some cases, even the killing of people in the womb and sometimes adults that are expendable because they don't fit the political narrative because we have evil people in power sometimes that are inspired by evil spirit beings that gladly have taken over their mind and gladly are the driving force for their natural body, because they need that earth suit, and it fits them just fine. So, nope has a lot of interesting meanings, doesn't it? Nope is very, very interesting. Jesus says this, not only in two places, you know, in Matthew 18, as well as in Matthew 16, about what you forbid and what you permit, or what you say no or nope to, or what you say yes or yeah to. But he says it in the way that he practiced what God gave him to preach. The way that he practiced his love for the unlovely, his acceptance of everybody. I mean, he even gave the Pharisees that despised him, that tried to trip him up, he gave audience to them. He entertained their questions. And he had questions of his own. And so, he didn't give the devil any place. Jesus didn't yield to Satan, he didn't give place to Satan, he didn't give him place to a used car salesman, or I, let me put it like this, giving place to an encyclopedia salesman, or a a Tupperware salesman that goes house to house and he knocks on your door and you look through your people and you see him out there and you open the door. That just gave place to him. And you said, no, I'm not interested. And he put his foot in the door and he tried to shut it and he still got his place. And you didn't want to hurt his foot. So you just went ahead and opened it a little bit more, asked him to remove his foot. And he's talking to you still. He's still talking to you and he's still talking to you and he's still, and the devil's still talking to you and the devil's still talking to you. The devil's still talking to you until you can finally get his whole body in there and he's talking to you and he's talking to you and he's not touching you physically he's not he's not trying to inhabit you physically he's trying to get inside your head he gets inside your head with thoughts you know what a thought can be a thought can be like a grain of sand a grain of sand that irritates the inside of an oyster so much so that the oyster secretes a solution around it to keep it from rubbing him the wrong way so much. Until it builds up layers upon layers and we pluck it later it's a pearl. You know, but it's not necessarily you know, to be thought of as a good thing. You know, when it's an evil thing, like a thought, like a sticker that you picked up in a pair of fluffy socks that you're running through the backyard and some weeds had stickers sticking off of them and your sock just, uh, attracted it, and it got caught in your sock, you know? And that sock, you know, the, the sticker is shaped pointy, and it's got all these barbs on it and stuff, and, it, and it's trying to perpetuate its, its life and its species, you know, because it's a seed inside of there. And that thing hitches a ride on whatever's moving. Dog picks them up all the time. And then you pluck them off and you throw it down, then that place, you know, it may fall outside the house, you know, into a patch of dirt and it starts to spring up and there's a plant there. Well, the devil's thoughts are trying to drop their roots, grow upward and bear some fruit to where people are thinking wrong. They got their minds set the wrong way. And what their mind is set on their mouth will articulate. And what their mouth articulates, their body will eventually walk in. And so that's how people get taken over. And that's how people get used. And that's and that's gotta be stopped at the nope. At the entryway. It's a nope to that thought. Walking by the TV set and way to the bathroom, and it's talking about your prostate gland. And we got this formula for your prostate gland. What are the symptoms of having problems with that? It tells you, and you're listening to it, you know, as you're going over there to to go to the bathroom and relieve yourself and listen to it and listen to it and you don't say nothing about it, just listen to it. And just tuck it away, just listen to it. And it just went in one ear and out the other, didn't it? Didn't it? Didn't it? Maybe not. Because the devil didn't hear nope, didn't hear no, didn't hear I rebuke you, didn't hear shut that stuff down, didn't hear I don't accept that, didn't get rebuked or anything. And so he hits the ride. And so he might get to drop down some roots. And so it's gonna be a little bit of a tussle to get something out there, out of there by the roots. So much better to catch it at the nope, nope. You know, because when I got touched by that witch one time, that wasn't the only time. I've, I've had them bump into me, and how do I know that they're a witch? Like, I was making fun of, you know, the stereotype of a witch, what they look like. They don't look anything like a witch. It's what they do like. It's what they speak like. It's what they have to give or to pass on to other people like. Yeah, I've had, you know, pains, you know, they bump in and, and you know what they're doing. Pains, you know, being transmitted and just slap it away, just slap it. I slap my hand three times. You don't have, I don't have a magic number. It's not a formula, I just slapped it three times. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Nope, in the name of Jesus, because I'm, I'm backed by Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Nope, and it went away instantly. And the look on her face, she got caught red-handed. She's trying to do stuff. She thought, she, I mean, she I don't think she had any kind of a bio on me whatsoever. I think she's just trying to pass things along. Because the devil's looking to hitch a ride. Just like in that movie, Nope. Just like in that movie, Nope. They said, nah, no. Nope, uh uh-uh, not in there. They said a bunch of things like that. And that triggered something in me to where I made this podcast because we need to be people that say no and nope to the right or to to the wrong things, you know, to not say those things to God. Say yes and amen to the things of God, but no and nope. To the things of Satan: pain, confusion, um, lack, need, um, stuff that people criticize you of. You know, stuff that people said against you. Um, not getting what you deserved that you should get at work, getting looked over, picked over, maybe because of the color of your skin, maybe because of the religious nature of your of your demeanor, maybe, but you say nope to those things, that you're not going to let it happen. You're not gonna take it, you're not gonna accept it. You're, it's not gonna go any further than the front door, which didn't even open for you, because I looked through the people. And right through the door, I said, Nope, get out of here. Nope, take a hike. All with due respect. Because when you're saying it to people, you know, you just, I was saying it just like Jesus did to a person that happened to be a carrier, just like Jesus saw Peter that way. You know, and Jesus didn't explain himself to Peter. Peter, I'm so sorry. I just had to use a shotgun. I'm sorry I caught you with some of the perimeter, you know, some of the extracurricular pellets. I'm so sorry. No, he just said, No, you don't savor the things of God but of man. He's upset. And he didn't explain it. And Peter got he got the message later, from the messenger, he got the message later just by over and over being exposed to things and then sending them out two by two to cast out devils and to lay hands on the sick and heal the sick. And they experienced that and they came back rejoicing that even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he calmed them down and said, don't rejoice in that. That's just simple stuff. That's just chump change. That's just, you know, that's just little things. Because the devil is a loser, a liar, a thief, a destroyer that's been defeated, that doesn't know that we know that he is defeated. Do you know that? Well, if you know that, well, then you're going to be already saying to him, nope, nope, not here, not here, no, no, nope, dude, nope, get out of here time for us to call it a day too. So get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time.